0: Welcome to the Uppity Women Podcast. Today's guest is Jessica Key. She is the author of Confessions of a Butterfly, Relationships, Food, and Self-Esteem. And that's Butterfly, B-U-D-D-A-F-L-I. And we'll talk about that and where that name comes from and what it means to her in the talk. Jessica's book is about her journey so far. She's still a young woman, but has been through a lot. She covers tough topics like using food for comfort, being molested, sexual experiences, self-esteem, many things that a lot of us can probably relate to, unfortunately, but it's just her journey on being a healthier person spiritually, mentally, physically, and she's a real joy to be around. I'm a big fan of Jessica. I have been since I met her. I hope that you'll buy her book. She's got a book signing coming up in June, and we'll link to that in the show notes, along with all the other things that we mentioned. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. I also need to mention that we recorded in the studio at the Butler Center, which is in the Arkansas Studies Institute across from the main library down in the River Market. It's a wonderful resource, and it doesn't cost anything. You can just call and reserve the studio. It's, It's small, but it's got a recorder in there, and it's a nice, quiet studio, so you can use it. It's just another wonderful resource in central Arkansas, and I hope that you will support your local library because we need them. They're wonderful assets in our communities, and you should get online and check out all the cool things that the Butler Center does and is also the home of the Encyclopedia of Arkansas, which is just a treasure trove of information about people, events, places in this state. It's really pretty fascinating to browse through, and you can search by topic, so definitely check that out. Thanks, Butler Center. already. Jessica, thank you for joining me.
1: How are you? I'm really great. you look so... Oh, thank you. fabulous. Thank you. I ran back in the house this morning. I was like, oh my God, Stephanie's interviewing me today. I got to put some clothes on. And then when I was halfway on my way, I was like, she doesn't care what you have on. It was too late, so. I don't. And I thought about that too. I at least showered. I was like, she's going to look all cute
0: and I'm going to have to take a picture of us and that's all right. I'm going to go with it. So I'm going to... I'm going to actually go right into something that I wasn't planning to talk about, I don't think, but we're going to talk about Be Inspired and your kind of journey on health and wellness. But I, as I'm aging, it's a struggle for me. So, one, like I don't bounce back from injuries like I used to. I'm 48. I am looking and feeling older and I'm struggling with my vanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not like I was ever some hot chick or anything. Do you know what I mean? But it's (laughs) okay. yeah. But it was good enough, you know. And Mm -hmm. so, but now I'm like, God damn, you know, I'm turning into an old lady and I don't Mm -hmm. like it. And, you know, exercise is harder. I know it's not all about how we look. And I know we're feminists, so I don't even know what my
1: question is, but it's like, damn, you know? Look, okay, this is completely transparent. So I'm 35. In a couple of months I'll be 36. And my new boyfriend is 31. And he always makes these old jokes or whatever. But recently I've I've had a couple of injuries. I hurt my back working out. It was a, it was very painful. And I was in a wheelchair for a couple of days trying to recover because it, it was just very painful. And last week, ironically, I fell down the steps. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to have to trade you in. But like <laughs> your hips, you know, your back, your legs. And I have arthritis in my knees, <laughs> which is my purpose, my sole purpose and why I get up at 6 a.m. To work out is so that I can have some type of bounce back. But we were working out and I work out downtown and have a fabulous trainer, uh, Wayne Boucher, River Market Boot Camp. And I told him, I said, you know, five years ago or three years ago, I could do 100 burpees. I don't know if you know what a burpee is. Uh, Yes, I do. I could do 100 burpees before my workout. That's insane. There's no way. On this earth, I could do 100 burpees before a workout now. Mm-hmm. And it's because I've gotten older. And I mean, and even though I consider myself to be in good shape, there is no bounce like back. Me falling down those steps last week, and I'm so grateful that I didn't break anything. I'm so grateful. But I said to myself, I said, you're too old for this. <laughs> I was like, do you know? And I'm talking to myself, said, do you know what would have happened? And so what, what I think about more so lately is I found myself earlier this year, kind of coveting my old pictures from when I had originally lost my weight. And I was like, man, I I look so good. Huh? Well, then I started thinking about things that happened to me in life and how those struggles played a part in my weight loss. Some of those struggles played a part in my weight gain. And I, and I decided to say, you look great in those pictures, but you look great now too. And you're mentally healthier. Mm -hmm. So if you can say that you're mentally healthier, Um, And some of us are still a disaster in certain areas. And I raise my hand to say, yes, I'm one of those, but I'm much more stronger than I was two years ago as I was writing my book, even a year and a half ago, as I was writing, I was like, crap, (laughs) how did I get? this? How did I survive this? And so just try to stay in the the mind frame of, no, you don't have a quicker bounce back. However, mentally, yeah, you're
0: better. You're stronger. I'm alive and kicking. Yeah. I mean, they're worse. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You're right. And I know in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I'm happy to be alive. Life is great. And when I am... On my deathbed, I'm not going to be thinking back to how tired I looked all the time when I was 48.
1: Mm -mm. No, you're not.
0: Hopefully I'll be 88. Yeah, and en- and enjoying all the memories.
1: That and I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna be thinking at 88. You're gonna be thinking, man, I was doing a lot at the age of 48. I was everywhere. <laughs> when I think about even my weekend, this weekend, I did so much this weekend, yeah. and I got up this morning and I actually didn't work out at six. So I'm gonna go work out at 4:30 because I decided that I'm gonna start sleeping in on Mondays. Like it's okay for me to sleep in on mm. Monday and go work out in the afternoon. But you're gonna look bad and be like, I was a busy girl. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. I'm going to relax. I'm going to mm-hmm. meditate. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that.
1: Well, you'll start streamlining. After this conversation, you're going to be like, streamline.
0: Mm-hmm. Focus streamline. on what's important.
1: Yeah. Starting with me. <laughs> <laughs> that is the hardest thing in the world. Because it, what it does is, especially if you're a giver, because I'm a giver, it makes you feel selfish. Mm-hmm. But i say you one of the greatest things that I learned probably over the last three years, very simple word I'm going to teach you. Just repeat after me. You ready? Mm-hmm. No. Ugh. No, no, no. Yeah, no. And that is the hardest thing for people to say. I tell people no. I do. I've become, especially over the last four months, and I've become okay. I have a girlfriend of mine that I, um, I call her my colleague. But when people ask me to do certain things, I don't do them anymore. But I know a wonderful person who can help you. Mm. And I'm OK with that. And I don't feel like I'm losing anything. But I've decided if this is where her passion is and this is where her strength lies, I'm more than willing to send you some clients. And I'm going to say no. And I'm going to save that strength and that energy. People forget the only thing in life that you can't get back is time. That's right. That's a lot. If I give you my time. And I end up rolling my eyes. That wasn't a good move for me. Right. And I'm okay with that. And and it doesn't make me selfish. It really makes me smart. So
0: since I lost my job at the Supreme Court a few years ago, I've been trying different things and, you know, working on these passion projects and I'm not bringing in any money in, Um, although I'm I work a lot, but I'm not I'm not making money. I don't get a regular paycheck. And so my husband is bearing a lot of the burden for our finances. Mm -hmm. And I always feel guilty about that because I'm not used to not making money, money, you know, and being able to take care of myself. And I like paying my bills. I like paying my debt and my student loans and all of those things. So it's been a real struggle for me. But I really do a lot. I mean, I manage, you know, our three Airbnb apartments and I help take care of my brother's kids. I mean, so I like I do a, lot, do a lot for a lot of people. And so whenever I start to feel guilty, I'm like, yeah, he might pay for everything. Almost everything, not everything. But but I'm losing time. So he's losing money, but I'm losing time. And you cannot get it back. No, no. And so and that's part of um, you talk about saying no. Usually when I start to say no, it's when I'm in a place like I am sort of right now, although I'm, I'm getting through it at the moment. But um, just recently, I've been depressed, a lot of anxiety, uh, trying to figure out what to keep, what to let go. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to think about who I might be letting down by mm-hmm. not doing certain things. But I'm not the only one. And you you describe us as givers, which we are. Mm-hmm. I learned through a therapist a few years ago that I have generalized anxiety disorder. So that's why I'm a fixer. I always say I'm a fixer. You know, mm-hmm. I see I a problem. So. I look for problems to fix, right? So if someone comes to me with a problem, it's really hard for me to let it go until mm-hmm. I have figured out how to help them or how to the right help now. them help themselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very difficult for me to kind of turn my back on things, on problems, if that makes sense. So back to your instruction to say no. No.
1: And hey, look at my face. Don't I look convinced? No.
0: Yeah, you do. You look super relaxed, super resolved. You look resolved. Yeah. yeah. and And calm
1: about it. Yeah. So I mean, as we get deeper into talking about last year, I was so busy. Mm-hmm. I was so busy. And again, I have no regrets for all the touring that I did. I did my, everything myself. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a publisher every single place. And so last year I went to <laughs> when I think about this and break it down, I went to Philadelphia twice. I went to Chicago twice. I went to Dallas twice. I went to Atlanta five times. I went to Memphis twice and I went to New York and those are all the places I toured. I also threw a couple of vacations in there, a few of them. When I was in New York, and and I actually did a post about it a month, um, a month after I got back from New York, I was in New York the 21st through the 26th, or the 26th through the 28th of July, and I was sick. About a week before I went to New York, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi, and unbeknownst to me while I was there, I got some type of infection that went from the left side underneath my breast to the right side underneath my breast. But I didn't know it then. It was a skin infection? Or no it, one really it, knew what it was at the time. Okay, Later on, okay. after going to three different doctors, I, I was diagnosed with something very simple, hives. Oh. However, I had never had hives before and my body had never had hives before. So the entire three days I was in... New York. And what makes this so significant is that we, me, my sister, my cousin, they went for vacation. I went to work where everything was late. The The planes were late, like dramatically late, thought we were in, uh, weren't even going to make it. So we had to go and travel across New York with six things of luggage. Oh, my Lord. Through the subway. I mean, there was no way for And then get on a ferry and then cross the, the, the ocean, not the ocean, but you know what I'm saying? Right. To get to the venue so all of this the whole time underneath my clothes my body is festering Mm -hmm. and they had given me a steroid shot they had given me medication none of it was working and so I'm sweating I'm in pain like I could feel my body and it was my skin breathing and contracting and I made it and this is the thing where people say oh god you know there were some crazy things that happened but we made it when I look back I should not have gone Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but I wasn't thinking at the time. I just said, Oh my God, yes, I want to go to New York. Oh, this is going to be great for me. Sometimes things that appear to be great, you really have to sit down, write out everything that it'll take to get you there, write down the audience that's going to be served when you get there, write down. And this is for people that are, that are authors that, that are, uh, that have a product to sell, whatever it may be. And then wait, had I waited, there's no way in the world I would have went. And then to sprinkle on top of that, I mean, it was so bad. Like, I was taking two showers a day. I bought, like, eight loofahs, and each shower I used a new loofah because I didn't want to infect myself. And I had, my skin was discolored. I mean, it was, it was very vain, first of all. It was very vain because I was like, oh, my God. It's not that I run around with a midriff shirt on, but now... Even if I wanted to show my stomach, I couldn't because I'm scarred. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I cried a little bit. It was very emotional when I got back. And I finally went to a dermatologist, showed them pictures, because by that time it had healed and it was just scars and they were still trying to figure out what happened to you. So I had some pictures and they said, you got into something, which still don't know. I have no idea what it was and gave me hives or whatever. But that experience in itself taught me that I have to take more time to really dissect things and not just say yes to everything because it sounded like such a good idea. Right. And again, some things, oh, yeah, I want to do that. That'll be so cool. Mm -hmm. But after I break it down in in my little categories in my area, because, again, I'm not necessarily talking about money because uh, I remember going to an event and I, quote, unquote, didn't make um, and my thing is when it, when it, when it does come to money, as far as me selling books, I want to make sure that if I'm going to spend $200 to get to an event, I need to at least bring back $400, you know, and last year I, I sold 700 books with all the traveling and all the touring. And that money really didn't come from Woodrock. It came from all the other cities and states I went to. But one of the things I realized is that you have to make connections with people. And some of the people you connect with will get back with you. Some of them won't. However, that's contingent upon you and whatever work that you're willing to put into it. And so putting together the tour came from sending a lot of emails, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. I sent a lot of emails. I remember one day in particular, I sent 32 emails. I put together my own press packet. And these were things I never even knew how to do. I Googled a lot. I looked up a lot of information, made my own press packet and sent out emails saying, you know, this is me. This is my story. I would love to come and share, blah, blah, blah. And I remember specifically that particular batch of emails, two people responded, and those two people became a part of my Philadelphia trip Hmm. um, and my tour. So a lot of experience. Well, let's back up and tell people what we're talking about. So... Did we meet through Real Images? Yes. It was my first time having the bacon wrap date stuff with cream cheese or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Food memory.
0: Yes. Um, I love food. Uh, okay. So you were on the board of Real mm-hmm. Images. And let's start at
1: the beginning. Like, where are you from? Sort of give me the highlights of what brought you to where you are today. Born and raised Little Rock. Graduated from McClellan High School and uh, got my bachelor's in business administration from Philander Smith College, HBCU. Then went on to get my master's in public administration and two graduate certificates, one in conflict mediation and one in nonprofit management from Ewer. And so did all of that, get all the degrees and you're like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I've worked in nonprofit my entire life. I pretty much worked in nonprofit my entire life. I was getting ready to actually pursue a doctorate. And I ended up taking a job because they gave me what at that point, what I thought was a lot of money, which really was. (laughs) not And I ended up working for a private company. I started work for this rich guy. And while I was there is when I was going through a lot of different things with my now ex-fiance and I ended up having to sue him and once I sued him which was a, a very long agonizing experience I was really depressed and when I met him I was about like 253 252 somewhere in there and by the time everything was older over I was 319 so I was very depressed very down self-esteems like in the ground and I was thinking about like how do you say that you love somebody? Mm -hmm. and that you want to spend the rest of your life with them. And then you do them in such a way that it, takes them like i didn't even recognize myself in the mirror and I i kept thinking was like how did, how, does, how can you do that to me i thought you loved me i gave you my entire life i gave you everything i had and i had to be the strong person because here's the thing me and my sister have this conversation all the time about women here i am although i'm depressed although my self-esteem is in the ground um because it boiled down to him being unfaithful i still had to pick myself up by my bootstraps, and I had to sue him. And I did everything in my power from going to the law library, sending emails, reaching out to people that I knew to go through that by myself, not hire a lawyer, and I won. Mm -hmm. And so after going through all of that, or previously to that, I had already had a nervous breakdown and some other things before I met this guy. So I thought I was getting my life back on track when I met him. And then here I found myself back in the same situation. And I had started writing before I met him this particular book. So once all that was finished, I said, you know what? (laughs) I have to finish this book. Like, even if nobody ever buys the book, I have to finish this book to tell the story. Of this little fat black girl, because that's what my book is about, me being dark skinned and fat growing up and not knowing that I was beautiful, which then rolled into being in unhealthy relationships with men just because, okay, well, they love me and they don't know that I'm fat and that I'm black. So let me just go ahead and get with them and becoming that little fat black girl into becoming that grown fat black girl who's still dealing with the same self-esteem issues and so I basically just wrote the book about my experience from elementary to junior high to high school to college and becoming this beautiful butterfly but still not knowing what my self-worth was and then when I finally and I talk about the breakup and having to sue him and going to court and the mental I remember my mom calling me at work and I grew up really I'm a church girl I grew up going to church all the time, so my, and my mom's a pastor, and she, I remember her calling me one day. She said, you are really in my spirit, and that day, I was just really down. I was still at work, because you got to keep going to work, right. and I just cried like a little baby, and my mom prayed for me over the phone, and she was like, everything's going to be okay. I know it doesn't seem like it, but you're going to look back on this, and she was right. I mean, my anxiety had got so bad, because I was suing him over property, every time I saw a red truck... I was shake. And I and I remember praying, God, I don't wanna feel like I don't wanna see. You know how many do you know how many red trucks? I'ma tell you something. When you're looking for a red truck, every truck I saw was red. Mm-hmm. And my anxiety was just so high. And so with me writing, I just talked about I was just really real. And the book also has uh, 13 poems, 13 poems that talk about, you know, how you read something. For me, it was like I would write a chapter and then I would write a poem to really hone in mm-hmm. because I am a poet as well. And so I wanted people to not just read it, but also experience like what I was thinking. I mean, I even talk about like when I had my quote unquote nervous breakdown It was because I was in this twisted relationship and I was at a birthday party because a guy wanted me to be there. And then we had been seeing each other. Then he professed his undying love for his girlfriend, which I didn't know he had. Wow. I mean, and it was it was detrimental. But I stayed and I was the videographer. I was the I was the the photographer. And my sister was like, you need to, you know, like you need the logical thing. Leave, leave right now. This is horrible. Leave, leave, leave. And I was like, nope, I'm a good friend. I'm a good friend. I'm just, I mean, can you imagine? And all I could think of as I was writing this book, because I dedicated the book to my unborn daughter. You know, one day I have a daughter to say, you are worth more than this. Looking back now, I would have shielded and hugged and loved my daughter and said, we're getting the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. Because I had been mortified. Now, no one knew, but I knew. Right. And he knew. And it really played a part again in what I thought I was a butterfly. I was still in the cocoon. Yeah. I, I really was. And so my ex- my experience with writing the book and as it came out was I met, in my mind, I wrote the book for black women. This is what I thought in my head. I'm writing this book because I know I have a couple of black friends that are my age. I have met some women. I. I mean, I met a woman who barely spoke English, but she read English and Mm -hmm. she was from Portugal. I met her when I was in Philadelphia and she read the book and was like, this is my life. I mean, I met a a 67 year old retired white woman who was a teacher and she just was like crying and was like, oh, my God, this is my ex-husband. And and I was like, oh, my God, like I wrote the book for women, period. Mm -hmm. And then even outside of that, men have purchased my book and been angry. It's like, oh, my God, a man really? Is this what I did to women? And it made them think on their part, the behavior that they saw was some of the things that they did. And it just it touched me in such a way to let me know that, okay, being transparent is okay. I'm not a gossiper. I would never do a real lives of Jessica Key. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I definitely have adventures. But writing this book, it freed me. It was like birthing The child, Mm -hmm. birthing the child and like getting all of that out of me and then being able to travel and talk to people and say I was totally in love with food and have been in love with food my entire life. And although I tremendously love sex, I will take lasagna over sex like that's how much You know, involved I was with food because that was my go-to as a child and then became my go-to as an adult so it went beyond emotional eating I mean and I still have issues from time to time with food because if I have a horrible day my mind goes let's go eat Mm. and so I have to immediately fight that with no we're going to go take a walk or no we're going to go make a nice salad you know, people think about smoking cigarettes. Oh, smoking cigarettes is horrible. Doing drugs is horrible. You know, all those big things that people can see. You can see somebody that's morbidly obese. You can physically see somebody that's quote unquote overweight. But food is everywhere. Yep. And you have to eat food to live. hmm So unless you get control, I mean, and I've had moments where I've cried and I'm just like, as I'm stuffing my mouth full of this pot of chicken spaghetti and I'm like, am I really going to die by the hand of a fork? Right. Like, am I really going to allow this? And even with the people in my family, like at one point, even now I'm like one of the smaller adults in my family. So that lets you know, we eat, you Mm -hmm. know, and it, it got to a point and which there's still nothing wrong with this. Like before each meal, I would pray and say, "God, please don't let me overindulge. Like, please help me." And so I got to a point where I, when I went out to eat, before I took my first bite of food, I would get a to-go box. Mm, and mm-hmm. because people don't realize, in one way, well, if I'm paying twelve ninety nine, it better be worth it. I want, I want the whole three servings. <sighs> yeah. Well, you don't need the whole three servings, and so. Growing up in a in a in a family where you can have first seconds thirds and desserts, you don't really get to go boxes. Mm-hmm. So I just learned a lot of different things. I, I researched a lot because I, I do now. Even now, I either drink water or liquor. Like I don't drink any other calories because if I'm gonna drink my calories, I want it to be something that's going to give me somewhat of a buzz. And it mm-hmm. may seem like currently I drink a gallon and a half of water every day mm-hmm. because I work out so much. And even if if I do have a drink, it's not a fruity drink because doing the research and, and when I was like offering classes and teaching people things, liquor has sugar in it. Right. Well, why would you add a sweet syrup on top of something that already has sugar in it. So I tell people, if you, if you just really want to drink, then you need to have either a glass of wine or a solid Patron tequila, vodka, nothing with any extra sugar in it Mm. and just have one or two. And that's it. Don't, Don't get a huge margarita because you're drinking sugar. Just sugar. And then if you know you're going to drink, that's the day. Then you should have two workouts because you need to combat the sugar that's getting ready to turn to fat. Because once you drink, it's going to make you eat because that's the name of the game. And I know this because I've researched it. (laughs) And so with so many different things that I've learned around the way. Do I still struggle with my weight loss? Yes, because it depends on if I'm eating out and there's a difference in a in a salad from Jason's deli which I love and a salad from the house it's called preservatives <laughs> mm-hmm. so the same salad at home and the same salad out is going to be probably 3 or 400 calorie difference in my weight loss i just learned to be okay without being perfect Because I'm not perfect by any means. I don't deprive myself of anything. I'm just smart when I eat. If I'm going to have high carbohydrates, if I'm going to eat french fries, shout out to Idaho potatoes. It will be at lunch and not at dinner. Because a lot of times people don't realize when you are eating... You eat for energy. That Mm -hmm. is the purpose of food. It's a lot of things. Again, with me being an emotional eater, (laughs) you don't realize food is meant to give you energy. So why would you eat a huge steak at 830 at night? Do you need steak energy at 830? Because when you finish eating, you're going to bed. So these are all the different things that I, I learned about myself. And I asked myself, I started doing which you, people don't really think about, it seems kind of weird, but I love Food Channel, the Food Channel, mm-hmm. the Food Network. And one of the ways they try to get you as the person on the other side of the TV to recognize how good the food is that they're tasting is they say, oh, this lime zest made it taste tardy and it was beautiful. Oh, the crunchiness of these croutons. Oh, the seasoning from this rosemary. So what it made me realize was that I wasn't tasting my food. Mm-hmm. I was eating it. Mm-hmm. So I started every time I would eat, instead of gobble, 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 I would taste. And what that made me realize was some things. I remember eating this macaroni one day. Love macaroni. Me too. And I'm eating macaroni and I was on the third spoon of macaroni. And I realized that it wasn't good. Even though it was macaroni, whoever made the macaroni, it just wasn't good. So I spit out. The third bite, and I threw it away. <laughs> and mostly it was like, oh, my God, you, you should have just added some salt. Uh, you know, in hindsight, maybe I could have added some salt. But in that moment, I said to myself, Jessica, stop eating stuff that doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you go get a burger from Davis Burger and it just really wasn't what it usually is, but you eat it anyway. Just don't finish eating the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So all these different things I started doing and really asking myself and even to go beyond that. I started grocery shopping different. I started reading labels. Um, Now... I don't buy anything if I can't pronounce the first three to five ingredients. Mm, mm -hmm. So I haven't eaten cereal in three years. Yeah. Because you can't pronounce any of the ingredients. Right. And some people say, oh, and even my one of my trainers, she was like, you, you, you doing the most. And I was like, well, that's just where I am right now, because her struggle with food is not my struggle with food. Mm -hmm. And I really had. And and I even went uh, vegetarian for nine months. Now, some people can go vegetarian and lose 60 pounds. In nine months, I lost about 15 15, 20 pounds. And it was because of my schedule and different things that I was going, again, eating out, preservative at school, all the touring and stuff that I was doing. But I realized that, and don't get me wrong, I don't care about animals. And I know that may sound really bad. <laughs> my point is for people that may... When I say I don't care about animals, I'm not the person that's like, save that cow. Right. I just felt like. That wasn't the reason for your decision. Yeah, that wasn't the reason for my decision, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I was upset when the next door neighbor's chicken came up missing and I realized that they ate it. But that's another story. (laughs) I was highly upset. I love that chicken. But I did it because I just wanted to just take a break. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to take a break and do something for me that didn't involve me Um, having to think. But at the same time, stretching me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to think about if I was going to fry chicken or bake chicken or whatever. All I had to think about was, what's something else that you can eat today to start experiencing new things? So I'm all about, I tried jicama, I tried jackfruit, I've tried quinoa. I mean, things that may be normal to other people that I, as a black person, from my family, <laughs> they look looking at me crazy. When I have quinoa, when I have I have lentils, I have brown rice noodles, This is stuff that we didn't, I mean, and even my nieces and nephew, they know when they come to my house, even though (laughs) they're not excited about it, they always go to the kitchen. What are you eating today? (laughs) So the other day, for the first time, they had fried cauliflower. Mm. They didn't like it, but at least they tried it. And now you can say, oh, I don't like it because of blah, 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 Mm -hmm. rather than saying, oh, no, I would never try that. They love zucchini meatballs. I didn't tell them what it was, but they loved it. Mm So these experiences and learning different foods is what really helped me in my weight loss journey and what helped me. So now I'm like 70, 70 pounds down and I still work out. I still push myself to do different things. I modify a lot of exercises because of my knees. So even though I've lost 70 pounds, for every pound you lose, it's a 4% return on your uh, knees. Hmm. So I really want to lose another 40 pounds because apparently you need your knees to walk. You do. Mm. And to sit down and stand up. Mm -hmm. And it's a really big deal. So when I think about the little bit of pain that I do have from time to time and I think, crap, I was 70 pounds heavier. What was that doing to me? And when you're in that moment, when you're going through that, uh, You don't even realize it. You're just eating. Mm -hmm. You're just eating. You know, you may go for a walk here and there, but... And a lot of mine was depression and a lot of mine um, was... Anxiety, and I'm a I'm a huge advocate of people talking about depression because in the African American community we don't really talk about that. And my brother is one of those people who says uh, that ain't real. Just just stop that. Mm. You're not depressed. I'm like I am, <laughs> I am depressed. Yeah. Like I've been depressed all year, and I know that. And it's and I am a positive thinker. My alarm goes off every day at ten on three, and it says successful, intentional, and capable. So I am a positive thinker. I also know that I've suffered from depression for a long long time. I'm not on any anxiety medicines. I just meditate and I keep pushing, but I also recognize it when it comes over me. And sometimes it'll happen in the middle of a conversation. I remember on a Sunday before I went to church, I woke up and said, I just don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize that. And that's a big thing for me as it relates to exercising is the release of those endorphins. I mean, because when I'm working out, I do look at my trainer like he's crazy. like, man, I don't want to do this. I don't even want to be here. I'm just trying to stay alive and I'm trying to push through. And so I recognize that and I talk about that because people don't understand through that depression comes the more of the eating i'm just going to be depressed and i'm just going to sit here and i'm going to eat and that is not (laughs) healthy so then you end up going right back to where you know came from but i'm okay and i tell myself like i'm okay that today is just not a good day for me (laughs) but i'm not gonna have days that are back to back to back to back and having a great support system to be able to send a text message to my best friend and say i'm sad right now i'm gonna call you in an hour because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it'll last five minutes. Sometimes it'll last a couple of hours and sometimes, you know, a week, whatever it may be. And you keep pushing and the bigger part of, of, of weight loss, depression, anxiety, all of that. Is to me, the more I can be transparent, the more people are able to be transparent with me and say, oh, my God, I suffer from the same thing. I really appreciate you for sharing this because nobody wants to ever talk about it. Uh, You know, we'll have races and we'll have this is anxiety day or suicide watch day, whatever it may be. I can remember being here in the library and I was working on this project, really important project. And, and really helped me in my uh, career at the time. And I looked out the window and it just hit me. And I said, and I remember saying it out loud in, and I was in a, a little cubicle room and I said, wow, I can see why people kill themselves. Mm. And I could I mean, I was just sitting on the third floor and I was just like, wow. I I can see that. And some people will never be able to understand that. They will never be able to understand that. But having support as you're going through whatever it is, whether it's weight loss, whether, whether it actually is depression, whatever it is in your life. Having support is what helped me throughout the process of my best friend and my and my sister pushing me to finish the book. Because even the last three months, I went to this great uh, professional development and it was like a learning academy. And it was amazing. And I wrote three chapters of the book. And the book is like seven chapters. I wrote three chapters of the book on the flight home because I was so energized. And the guy was saying, you know, when you're ready to write the book, it'll just happen. There's no such thing as writer's block. When it's time, it's time. And as I was finishing the book, so that was September 17 days later, my grandfather died. 10 days later, my grandmother died. And I told my sister, I was like, I I can't finish the book. like, And I did all of their programs and the PowerPoints. I mean, I was like, nope, can't do it. Uh, I mean, I was just like, this, it's not going to happen.
0: And was this the same period where you were uh, saying, I get why people kill yeah, themselves? Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you and then you become kind of maybe the word is I don't know if the word is stoic, but it's. No, I, I, a better word is is robotic. Mm-hmm. You just, I got it done. I did the PowerPoints for my grandfather. I did the program for my grandfather. We buried my grandfather. And then 10 days later, my grandmother died on my mom's side. And I mean, that was like super emotional, but I didn't even cry like maybe until the, like the day of the funeral. And I just kept going. and And then I was like... And it was interesting to me because I wasn't really showing emotion. I was just going through, just going through. And finally, my sister and my my best friend, they said, they would want you to finish. You need to finish. Mm-hmm. You've got to finish. And I was just like, oh, sure, I'll finish. And I finished about, uh, we buried my grandmother um, October 22nd. And the, the first copy of the book came out December 17th of that um, that year. And so pretty much been, been pushing ever since. And I took the time in the last three months of the year, I didn't do any touring and I just evaluated what happened in the last year. And that's what we first talked about when we came in and how I went back and I looked at how many accountability classes that I had done and the energy that went into them and the people that actually showed up versus the people that said they were going to come. And I said, nope, not doing that anymore. I went well, what, in. Tell me about the accountability classes. What were you trying so, to do? With accountability coaching, what I wanted to do was sometimes you just like for me every morning between 730 and eight, I talked to my sister and my best friend. It got to a point where I would have to get off the phone with one and then retell the same story to the other one. And so finally, about three years ago, I said, look, we're all just going to be on the phone together. Well, there are not A lot of people that have that. Right. So you got to think about it. If you don't have that and then the people in your family could care less about how you look physically, whether it's positively or negatively, you need someone to say, hey, today's going to be a great day. We're going to spend the next three days focusing on this, this and that. And I believe in you. You can do this. So that's what the accountability coaching was. Being able to have somebody that you can reach out to via the phone anytime you want to And follow a plan or a regimen to help you become a healthier you. So to me, that's a great sales pitch. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, my first year I charged, I mean, it was very ridiculous, like maybe $120 for the whole year. Right. Because I knew that it wasn't going to take a lot of energy. I already had everything set up. I had each month broken down. People just didn't have follow through. Mm -hmm. And I, I did it for the entire year. And I finally decided at the end of December, nope. This will be the last one. I appreciate everybody that you know played a part in this group, but and I and I didn't say it's because of this, 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 and that. I just said that because of my other obligations, which I do have other obligations, I'm no longer going to be doing this. So, did you
0: ever figure out why it fizzled out? Why people lost motivation or or interest or whatever it
1: was? Yeah, just normal life. Right. Everybody would always say, "Oh God, this happened." It wasn't a priority for them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a priority. And you got to think about it. You have some people, for example, when my grandfather died and when my mother died, I wasn't thinking about going to the gym. I still Mm -hmm. went because I knew I had to do that for me. And I needed to have some type of centering, which we have some people who are completely not like that. Their whole life shuts down. The only thing they're able to do is go to work and maybe cook dinner for their kids. Mm -hmm. And then you have some people who it's just Tuesday and I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, no real reason. Not that they didn't enjoy the program, you know, you would get the little like or the little heart, but still no follow through, no, no phone call return, no, no text message return. And now some people would say, oh, well, as long as you're getting the money, that's all that matters. Who cares if they're not being a, but that's not how I roll. I don't want to sit here and be giving you my energy and my time and and you have no results because results, then you're telling people, oh, I'm in her accountability class and everybody's looking at you like you haven't lost anyway, you know. Right. And, and, and even more so wasn't even necessarily about weight because I wanted people to, for example, whatever the smallest fitting outfit you have in your closet, put it on, take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And then in one month, put it back on. And so and don't get me wrong. I have some people who really did do it. But when you have a 90 to 10 ratio, mm-hmm. it's just not worth the energy. Right. And right. I'm and I'm completely okay with it. I have no regrets. I'm not going to restart it because it takes too much of my energy because you got to think about it. I'm doing every challenge that I'm asking you to do Mm -hmm. and I'm literally doing it. So I'm killing myself. I'm asking you to work out an extra time, at least two to three times a week. So I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. Then I end up doing it by myself.
0: Right. So I'm going to back up. I have a lot of questions for you. A couple of things. Do you know why there is a stigma in the African
1: American community about therapy or depression or just mental health generally? Because it's nobody's business what goes on in this household. That is a sentence that you will hear echoed throughout the African American community, and that goes back for decades years. I remember an older woman, I'm 35, she's 70. And I told her that uh, one of the reasons why I was leaving my fiance was because he was cheating on me. And this is a very intelligent woman. And she said, what? She said, I think you're being dramatic. Whoa. She told me that. And I didn't, I didn't say anything else about it. And she just said, sometimes men are just being men. That doesn't mean that they don't love you. And so when you have a generation like that, I can, I can, I'll do you one better than that. I remember being on an airplane with a woman. Now, this woman had to be about 75, and we just ended up chit chatting, and in some kind of way, she pulled that out of me. And I was like, Well, I was engaged, but unfortunately, my, you know. And she looked at me and she said, Hmm. She said, My husband cheated on me all the time, but I didn't go anywhere. And she went on to talk about sometimes you that's just what you do, you just stay, you take care of your kids, take care of your family, you just stay and you don't worry about it. So, you got to think about things like that in reference to people being depressed. You just, you just need to stop all of that. Stop all of that crying. Ain't nothing wrong with you. Because th- these are the things that I've heard over time from just variety of different people from different backgrounds. Like, although they may have been African-American, some grew up poor, some grew up middle class, some grew up rich or whatever. Still the same thing. You don't talk about what happens in this house because you don't want our name to be defamed, whether you are... <laughs> are someone in the community or you aren't somebody in the community.
0: So as you're describing this, I'm thinking of the struggle that I have when there's, say, an African-American politician or a judge or someone who is elevated somehow in in society and they fuck up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, because we already think black people are worse, Mm -hmm. you know, so don't do, you know, so I hold them to a higher standard because I don't want Us racist or biased white people or whoever ever it is to say well see that's why we don't elect black people
1: Mm -hmm. right and so and it wouldn't matter if somebody the same no yeah no would matter
0: so you are held to different standards yeah and I am just maybe I'm just projecting this but is it possible that that this sort of the way it is in the black community is because because you don't want Others to know
1: our business, to see, yes, and oh, to see yeah. that there may be a dysfunction because we already think you're yeah not as good. Oh, for sure, right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, and this is just one little black girl talking in in Little Rock. Um, I have gone to therapy, and in my book, when I admitted that I was going to therapy, I had different family members secretly, and the reason why I say secretly is because they didn't announce it to anybody else. They just texted me mm. and said, "Oh my God, I'm I just started going to therapy. It's the best decision I ever made." And I can think of some detrimental things that happened in my family and it never dawned on me. We should have sent him to see a therapist. We should have sent her to see a therapist until I got older. Now, when I look back, I say, dang, we should have sent them. Right. But it's because we don't want that that stamp. Right. Oh, my God. you're saying Because for some reason, people think therapy is cuckoo. You know, Right. And so in the African-American, African-American society, when you talk about um, being honest that you're not perfect, which Mm -hmm. seems kind of funny to even say that, that I'm not perfect in what I'm doing. It's like, no, I can't talk about the fact that I'm going to see a therapist about what's on my mind. No. Mm Oh, my God. I love therapy. I don't have any money for it right now, but I love it. It's a
0: beautiful thing. Well, it is, and it's nice. To me, I like just having a... An outside person. Yes, who can look and say, all right, Stephanie, let's chill out with your bullshit because Mm -hmm. you're not whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Or, yeah, that person isn't treating you well, and you need to protect yourself. When you were young, you described yourself as a little fat black girl. Mm
1: -hmm. Is that how you felt at the time? Yeah. Okay, so do you feel, or you... Now, do, here's the thing. With me being a little fat black girl, in my household, my mother, her, her nickname for me was Chocolate Drop. She always loved me and hugged on me. And my father, every single day that he was in our household, said, you are beautiful. And I want you to know that you're beautiful because I don't want some little nappy-headed boy to tell you you're beautiful. And it's something that you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I didn't have the support. I just, I just felt like that's what my parents have to say.
0: Right. Because you weren't feeling that same love in the outside world.
1: Mm-mm, not at all.
0: How how do we teach girls? Because I think all girls struggle with it. I mean, mm-hmm. with some exceptions, but with self-worth, uh, we look to boys for our value. Mm-hmm. We look to, um, well, it, external validation. And I still at 48 look for external validation. Right. I don't know how to teach girls that they do have value
1: and they do have worth no matter what they look like. Or I actually uh, taught uh, like a six week class or th- or three week class to a group of actually Hispanic girls I thought it was so freaking cool but anyway and one of the things that we did was I brought a mirror and each of them had to hold the mirror and say something positive Mm -hmm. about themselves and I realized that Not just in that room, but I know in the outside world, the people don't stand in the mirror naked. I I encourage people every day, rather than standing in the mirror naked and sucking your stomach in and pushing your boobs up to stand in the mirror and say what you feel is beautiful about yourself. There are so many people at the event this weekend um, when I got uh, honored through real images, I took a picture with a little girl. And the girl who was taking the picture had to keep taking pictures because when the little girl smiles, she closes her eyes. Mm -hmm. So we took like 10 pictures. Well, she never posted any of the pictures. And her mom called me last night and was like, I really wanted to post the pictures because I was so happy that she got to see you get on her. But she refused to post the pictures because she said every single last picture was ugly. And so I actually did a... A challenge where I took a picture of myself, even though I had Spanx on, you know, we're raised to have Spanx on, but I could still see the rose in my tummy. So although the picture was pretty in my carnal eyes, as soon as I looked at the picture, I was just like, man, I'm so freaking fat. Even though I've lost weight, I'm still fat. So I posted the picture and I, I wrote a thing that says, I dare you to post a not perfect picture because this is who you are. And if you don't like who you are, It is your obligation to change what you see in that mirror. Mm -hmm. Not that I encourage liposuction or plastic surgery, but if you don't like what you see, then change it. Don't complain to me about it. Change it. And so with that, with me teaching, you know, these young girls to wake up and say these positive words. I am successful. I am intentional. I am capable. Whatever your words are then you can own that and it won't matter what anybody else says. And the hardest thing, I mean, for me, one of the things that I suffer from was bullying because so many people are caught up in, I mean, and now there's Instagram and Facebook. So they see so many quote unquote beautiful women Mm -hmm. according to the standards of the world. But unless you can really look in that mirror and say, I own every wrinkle, every dent, every whatever, it's going to be hard. Mm
0: hmm. Well, it's funny that you say, look in the mirror and find something positive because every time I take a shower, I always lift my boobs up and I think, God, I can't wait to afford a breast lift. <laughs> you know? Don't do it. And so, right. And so, I, um, and also this morning, in fact, you know, on Facebook, the memories pop up. And there's one from 10 years ago. We were in Memphis for a friend's bachelorette party. <laughs> I was so skinny, but I know at that time I thought that I was overweight, you know, and it's like, and probably weighed, it? yeah, I probably weighed 30 pounds less than I do right now and I'm not overweight. Um, so anyway, it's just the things we do to ourselves. Interesting
1: thing about boobs. <laughs> if you don't have and I don't, I don't even know if people realize this. If you're not a A cup or even a B cup, and even if you are a B cup, but you've had children, you cannot fight freaking gravity. Mm-mm. I have big boobs. I mm-hmm. wish somebody would say something about my boobs sagging. Hello, I'm a double D over here, buddy. <laughs> me too. They're gonna sag. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we have this misconception of... Like, when I think about losing weight, I actually think about losing weight because I want to wear cuter clothes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not necessarily... Like, I mean, I have stretch marks. I'm so over it. My my boyfriend is so wonderful. He sent me this ridiculous meme, and, and it says... Basically, it said like women are so caught up in having stretch marks and being overweight. And then it goes on to say, come bring me your Tony the Tiger belly over here so I can hold it. Yeah. And it just made me laugh so bad because there are so many people that say, I- like, I'm looking at you and I think you're freaking gorgeous in your natural habitat, in your, you know, when you pull it up on the bike. I was like, oh, aren't you cute? You know, but we don't see that. Mm -hmm. Even this weekend, I had so many people say, oh, my God, you look so great. And I was like, I have been beating myself up this whole week because I wanted to wear a particular outfit, which I couldn't even find anyway. And I was like, I can't wear the outfit. I needed to lose 10 pounds before I got an outfit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so we get so caught up in that and don't realize you are beautiful. You're absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And knowing it with clothes on and embracing it without clothes on is where the connection needs to happen.
0: Not to mention beauty is many different things, right? And mm-hmm. so you can be a beautiful person without being what, what society tells us is attractive. Mm-hmm. And because what you see is the first thing you see before any words come out of your mouth, that's your first impression. Or like when I saw you and I was like, oh, my God, you look fantastic.
1: <laughs>
0: it isn't just about that's not why I value you. Mm-hmm. I know that you're a good giving awesome person right and so no matter what you look like i would feel that way about you and so i sometimes struggle with like oh don't just say they're cute you know don't just say they're beautiful Mm -hmm. they're more than that and and also when you talk about being a little black girl you know that's not America's standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. It isn't. And so what does that tell you? That, well, it told you that, great, your family loves you and thinks you're beautiful, but no one outside does. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, of course, that I'm sure was not true, but that's how we think of ourselves. And um, I've told this story countless times, but my, my niece, who at the time was six, she was this super skinny, little, adorable blonde girl. Now she's a super tall, super skinny, adorable blonde girl. And she was worried about her stomach being flat. I and mean, it was practically concave. And I talked to her mom, my sister, and I said, You're, you don't call yourself fat in front of her, do you? And she's like, no, no, no I never do that. And so I don't know where it's coming from, because we're mm-hmm. certainly not telling her that she's overweight or needs to not watch what she eats or anything at six years old. But something is telling her that, you know, and, and I just, it, it hurts my heart. <sighs> and you talk about Instagram and social media and how we post the best of us. And yeah. it's not reality. And I don't know if... It, there really are more suicides now, but it feels like it. And I don't know if it's just because we hear about more of them or because more kids are killing themselves because they're being bullied or because they feel less than or they're depressed and don't have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. But we've got a serious problem. Yeah, It feels like an epidemic to me.
1: I actually had somebody that, that said that, that they were really glad on my Facebook and on my Instagram. That I post pictures of me working out like naturally Mm -hmm. and never even done on me that I was like, I guess, like, why would I pose for a picture? I'm hot and sweaty. I just want you to know that this is the real. If you want to wear a certain outfit, this is what you're going to have to do to be able to do that. But it's so many, and, and and even in in Instagram and in Facebook and all these different things, it's amazing to me how people still don't get it. Like I, I love, there's I don't even know the name of the page, but they always do Instagram versus reality, and mm-hmm. it's the same person, and they pose for a picture, hold their stomach in real tight, right. and then they relax so that you can see that hey, all I'm doing is posing here, right? So that people can relax. I mean, I actually decided with the relationship that I'm in now. Or actually the previous relationship, but I wasn't going to post anything on Facebook because when I was engaged, I had so many people rooting for me. It was like, yeah. And I, didn't, I really didn't post a lot, but I, we ended up we won honeymoons and photography for the wedding because I had to get people to like like our post and all of that, which I ended up giving to the other couple. Well, I went on one of the honeymoons. It was great. <laughs> Good for you. It was one of those things where I remember going out to this club, it was karaoke bar. And this girl who I didn't even know walked to me, she was like, oh, my God, I follow you on Facebook. I'm so excited that you that you're getting married. That just gives me hope that one day I'll find somebody. And I remember leaving and I called my sister. I said, I don't want to give anybody hope anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since that day, I decided I'm not going to post my relationship on Facebook. And the reason being is because if you're, if you're not going to post the negative, which I would never post negative because some things are private. Right. And why am I posting the positive? Because there are right. some people who literally just live to see, oh, man, he bought her flowers. You didn't buy me any flowers. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life. And I, and that's actually one of the rules of my relationship. We don't need to be. And, and some people will disagree. I'm not Facebook friends with my boyfriend. And, mm-hmm. and I told him, you know me in real life. Right. Why do we have to be virtual reality friends?
0: Right. Also, once you make it official on Facebook, that means you're going to break up.
1: I mean, and, and it's it's not, a, no, just period, not even to let the world know that we're boyfriend and girlfriend, but just for us to be Facebook friends. Right. I don't want you to be my Facebook. For what? I see you. I see you over there. Right. I can see you. I want to ask you a couple more things. Your book, you self-published. I self-published. Um, a wise man, wise man being a millionaire, he said, if you're not going to sell 10,000 copies in your first month, you should self-publish. So I self-published and I sold 700 copies my first year. Well, how did you do that? I went through uh, createspace.com, which is now owned by KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing. Yeah. And and I actually have an online class that I offer where I teach people how to go through the entire process. It's like $49.99. And I teach you from beginning to end how to go through the process of self-publishing. But for my book, I paid a total of $236. And that included, well, at the time I was dating my photographer. So he did all of my Mm-hmm. stuff for free. I worked with a guy who did editing mm-hmm. and he did that for free. And then I had a young lady who did my design of the book and, you know, putting the placement and putting the words with the curly cues and all of that. And she charged like $35 an hour. So actually it wasn't 236 It was 136 So I sent all of that in and then they tell you, okay, your book cover has been approved, you know, with the shininess and all of that. And the only thing I paid for was... To ship my first hundred books. And I'm just again, I'm transparent. For each book is two fifteen. And I didn't want my book to be super expensive. So my book mm-hmm. is fourteen 99. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I, very reasonable. I say that to let people know that you can publish a book. There's nothing keep the only thing that's keeping you from publishing the book is yourself and you not having the knowledge to know how to do it. So on my website, uh, butterinspired.com, b u d d a. I-N-S-B-I-R-E-D.com. I offer a class that teaches you how to focus on picking out what your title is going to be, picking out who your group's going to be and what the best price is to set your book for all of that. How did you get this nickname Butterfly? Butterfly. I I was 21 and I went to my first poetry uh, place, which was Mediums, which was, used to be in Kavanaugh. And he was like, oh, you got to you make up a stage name, make up a stage name. And I have always been fixated with butterflies. Actually, if you go into my house, you're like, hmm, butterflies much? (laughs) And I have like butterflies everywhere. And I knew that I wanted it to be spelled differently, which is the B-U-D-D-A-F-L-I. And uh, the book was actually going to be called The Fat Chick. And right before I got ready to finalize everything, God just dropped it in my spirit to name it Confessions of a Butterfly, Relationships, Food, and Self-Esteem. Because I would have never went for a long title. Right. And it just
0: Well what's funny is that whenever I've seen your website or or this name, I've always thought of Buddha,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not butterfly. Mm-hmm. So I never got it until just now when I said, How did you get oh butterfly? Yeah. <laughs> that's when and I you first know about it.
1: It's a great conversational piece. Like growing up, Church of God in Christ, which is Falls under Pentecostal. Um, I remember writing a grant for this organization and the woman was so nervous, like she didn't know how to approach the topic and we had already said I was going to write the grant. This is that and the other. And she goes, she was like, I really don't know how to ask you, but are you a Buddhist? Because if I was a Buddhist, because they were Christian, they wouldn't have let me do the grant. That's just, and it sounds horrible. She was like, she was like, I'm so sorry. I, I don't really know how to approach this subject. And so I actually spent like 20 minutes on the phone with her and I taught her how to be able to approach that subject with someone so that it's not, so that it doesn't leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. Right. Because I get it. Right. Yeah. It's still weird. Yeah. But I get it. And so it's a great conversation piece because people say Buddha. I've heard Budafi. I was like, that <laughs> doesn't even. And if you could, if you really look this, the bee is actually a butterfly. I it's just, a sideways butterfly. I see that. Yeah. Which, which my hope was that that would correlate to the rest of the words that people would be right. like. Right. Hmm? Right. So confessions of a butterfly relationships, food and self-esteem. Did you do your makeup for that cover? I did not. A young lady by the name of Amari, and her name is uh, Eye Candy. Eye Candy by Amari. She did my makeup. My first time ever getting my makeup done professionally with Ali, I was so nervous. I was like, am I going to be able to see? She was like, you'll be able to see. And I actually did the photo. That eyeliner is perfect. Thank you. That line is perfect. <laughs> She's good. I actually did this in my living room. This blue right here oh. is a shower curtain that I staple gun to the wall behind me. Mm. And my friend was such a great photographer that he, I mean, he did an excellent job hmm. with the with the shadowing. And I, it, it took three hours because after he finished, he was like, OK, I'm going to go edit these and you have to choose. And I wanted it to be, you know, as natural as possible. But with the whole darkness right. of... It's beautiful. So I was really nervous because Garbo Hearn of uh, Hearn Fine Art Gallery, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Pyramid Books and Custom Framing. I gave her the book because I wanted to do my first book signing there because I was there and at Barnes & Noble. And I was so nervous because, I mean, she's a she's a beast. That bookstore has been there for 30 years. And she said she read it on the plane in 30 minutes. And she called me and just I mean, gave me the most amazing kudos. she said the artwork is perfect, the poetry is beautiful, it is well written and I mean I was like I felt like she was the I was like oh I felt like she was the president because I was like, you've been reading books for 30 years right, right. just in this business alone. and so it really um it, it it really meant something to me to have my book signing there.
0: So is there a, a short poem in here you'd want
1: to read? Yeah, definitely. why don't you um, read us one? This is this is one of my favorite poems because it's a poem that I wrote about my mom calling me chocolate drop. And it says, if you ever met her, you would swear that we were twins. We were two chocolate drops manufactured in the same chocolate factory. We were simply beautiful, shining in the sun, never melting in his presence, only becoming sweeter and sweeter by the day. I was her little chocolate drop. And as a child, every time I came home from school, discouraged from bullies in life itself, she would wipe my tears away and say, it's okay, my little chocolate drop. Somehow that always seemed to make me feel better. My mom always knew just what to say to take the hurt away, even if only for a moment. My life always felt like living when I was in the arms of my mom. If only I could stay there. Oh, so that's my dedication to her. And I have to be realistic with people because my godmom really got on to me. She read the book and she couldn't finish the book. And she grasped her chest when she was she was like, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me about the book. But I am conservative and you didn't warn me before about the book. So now I warn people about the book. This is a. But what is what is what this is is a tell all book. Right. And I talk about uh, the fact that I was molested. I talk about um, my first sexual encounter with someone and what I imagined it to be and how it was not that at all. And I talk about um, sex and how me giving my body away the first time i thought okay this is what i do this is what i'm supposed to do he'll like me forever if right. i keep giving him this and so it was a little bit too much for her. and i mean in again it's seven chapters so the first chapter is me t- you know talking about what happened to me and how i didn't understand what molestation was because that's not something we talked about in the church so i break that down too we don't talk about molestation in church. I didn't even know that I was actually molested until years later when I learned what that word was. Because mm-hmm. if you never talk about a word, you've never heard a word, you don't know what the word means. Mm-hmm. And back then, even though I'm 35, TV didn't get to be what it was until it is now. So there were there not there were just kissing scenes on TV. There weren't sex scenes or pornography wasn't on and popping like it is now. So I talk about that in a book. And so now... Especially when I, when an older person buys it, I tell them, hey, just, Mm -hmm. just brace yourself. But I mean, I've had many people who, who read it and couldn't put it. She was like, oh my, my cousin, wife, she was like, I'll I'll support you. So she picks up the book and goes back to work and never does any more work. Could not stop reading the book at work. She was like, oh my God. She was like. I cried, I laughed, I snotted, and then I laughed again. And and just how people just really fed into the book. I've gotten messages. I remember my cousin's boyfriend, he called me. And he was upset. He was like, Who is who is Devin? Who is Devin? Because I name names in the book, but they're not the real names. The 67-year-old woman, she asked me, I just I got two questions. Okay, do they know you wrote the book? And is that their real name? <laughs> and I go, no, I'm not a vixen. I would never, <laughs> I would never just put people out there like this is my story. And so I just changed the names up. But the guy was just like, Oh, if I ever see, if I ever see him, I'm a he was emotionally abusive. I mean, he was just very into the book. So it's definitely a tell-all book. It's a, it's exciting but it's inspirational and you know I'm some sort of a hero to myself um, in the end we are our own heroes
0: Uh, have you heard from anyone who's in the book even if their real names aren't used I haven't okay well, that's crazy, probably, huh? It's probably good. Uh, <laughs> all right, so last thing, and then I've got to I've got to let you go. Um, we were talking on our way in here about how last year was really hard on you. Mm-hmm. You were just balls to the wall, and you know yeah. you got the hives and everything. Talk to me about what made you kind of stop and refocus, and how you're trying to take care of yourself better now.
1: Um, well, again, last year I did a lot of traveling, and towards the end of the year, I needed to go to Philadelphia one more time. And here here's the thing: we can talk about money. And we can talk about passion. You got to have one or the other. And you also have to be able to pay your bills with one of them. And your light company doesn't care about how passionate you are. And so I was getting ready to go on this trip. And I talked to the person that was putting everything together for me. And they just didn't. Things just weren't going to work out. And I still could have went. But I knew that it was not going to be lucrative and I was going to lose money. And I just decided, I said, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea. We just need to look back at this in a few months and just uh, retry. And I have quite a few mentors in my life. And one of them told me, she said, well, how about you write down everything that you did this year and, and really do some balancing to see, you know, how much energy went into each thing. And once I started writing things down, especially the accountability, because as I was doing the accountability coaching each month, I found myself being frustrated because people aren't following through. And when I'm dedicating my time, so I really, from the accountability club, I went from, Making videos every morning f- to tell them like what they needed to work out, what body part every, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is a lot of energy. I got to do the workout, film the workout, upload the workout, design it on the website only for you not to do anything mm-hmm. or for you not to follow the plan. And, and so I did that for about three months. Then I said, this isn't wise with my time. So then I went from that to taking the workouts Off and then uploading just the basic challenges. That didn't work. So finally I said, you know what? Let me just take it completely off the website and I'll go to Group Me, which on Group Me you have direct access. I always have my phone in my hand. I can answer any questions. Well, once you realize that you're not getting any messages and you're sending out assignments and saying, hey, respond back if you're going to do this, then I realized that the 20 minutes that it took me to do all of this, even though people say, oh, that's really petty, you can still be doing it. 20 minutes is a lot. You can't have my 20 minutes. So I said, you know what, when the year ends, I'm going to cancel this. And then a lot of it, like people have noticed and I've had several people to say, you know, you don't post as much even on Facebook. I was doing a post, a Facebook live video every morning right after I worked out. Well, here's the thing. And as you're building your brand, this is fine. As I build my brand and I think last year I did three big events where everything I gave away was free. And when I say I was giving stuff away, jump ropes, yoga mats, weights, water bottles, T-shirts. I got, you know, I wrote grants, giving away all of these different things, barely in it, which in Little Rock is great. Got 50 people to show up to say I got 50 people to show up when I'm giving away all this free stuff, all this free information and free food on top of that. It, it just becomes draining to you. Mm-hmm. So here I am doing all these Facebook posts every morning and encouraging people. If you're going to do this challenge, follow me in this challenge. But then there's no there's no money coming out of that. Well, that's really a waste of my time, too. So what I decided to do was to take my energy and refocus it on me. I did all the traveling last year. One of the things I told you was that I didn't lose any weight last year. I didn't gain any weight. I was the exact same weight. I started in January back to this January, same exact weight. That's because of all the traveling, but I still worked out when I was home. And when I say doing tours, I'm talking about I did four day, eight day, 12 day, 16 day, uh, 10 day. I was gone. And so I started looking and I said, you know what? rather than posting challenges and doing this and doing that, I'm going to focus on me because I'm still struggling and I still have goals that I want to reach. And I may do a Facebook live video once a week and I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay with that. You know, between people not following through on what they say they're going to do as far as like, Oh yeah, I'm going to support you. I'm going to come to this event. I I plan to do a surgery versus naturally because my sister had weight loss surgery and I didn't. And I really promoted it. Nobody showed up. Hmm. And so I was okay with it. I was okay. It just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so, I was doing food prep classes. I would come to your house, fix a meal. You had to invite at least five people. They would get a thirty-four piece container set, a seven-day meal plan, um, a grocery list, and the MP3 of the book. Offer the low price of twenty dollars. Wow. No, no, nobody took that offer. And so I was like, it's okay. See, the thing about it is that people, you, be, you can become frustrated. Oh my God, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's okay. That just means that I need to reshape my brand. Mm-hmm. So me reshaping my brand was, I did all of these things for a year and it didn't work out. And it may be because of Little Rock. It may be because of the people in Little Rock or maybe they weren't my Facebook friend or it didn't get shared to the right group of people. But either way, it's completely okay. I know that I'm capable and able to do it. And if it if the time presents itself in the future, I will. But as for right now, that just means I'm going to rebrand my website and I'm not going to focus energy on that because it's not lucrative in any way. Mm -hmm. When you don't, when I I remember driving to Palm Bluff, if you think about driving to Palm Bluff for an event and nobody shows up, Mm -hmm. even though people have promised, oh, I'm going to be there. I have this person coming, this person coming. And it's okay. I just won't do that again. Mm -hmm. And if I do it, you will have to pay in advance. You can't pay at the door. Because if you don't show up, I'll still have your money because it took me 45 minutes of my life that I can never get back from driving up here and another 45 minutes of my life that I will never get back to drive back home. Right. So that's what I did. I started evaluating the different things that I was offering through Be Inspired. And then by the time I got through chipping away, so no more prep classes, no more accountability coaching. I'm not doing grants anymore. I have a colleague uh, that I'm referring people to. I'm not doing nonprofit work anymore. It just got to be where a lot of people were referring people that were not knowledgeable. And when you're not knowledgeable, it makes me work harder. And I don't get my money on the front end because you don't really have the money. We're just going to take all of it out. Mm -hmm. So by the time I finished, because you got to think about it, last year was my first year in business with Be Inspired. By the time I finished chipping away, I was like... (gasps) This is me. Be inspired. I am a motivational speaker and I will come and do a speaking engagement. And I have 20 different topics, if not more, that I can talk to your organization about. And in turn, I will also bring my books with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what Be Inspired is.
0: So are you doing the same thing you did
1: with the tours,
0: with the book signings and events? Are you just pitching yourself to people, Mm -hmm. to, to different groups?
1: Yeah. When I find time to do it. Right. Because I'm also doing something um, which I'll tell you about off, (laughs) which is which is I'm I'm getting another certification. Okay, And that's where my energy is going to be focused for the next year. And it's going to take all of my energy. So I I have a, a book signing event on June 22nd that I'm doing with another with a group of like nine women. And I send out emails from time to time. Um, Because one of the things that I did realize was that my 700 books that I sold within that year came from people. If if I got the microphone for two minutes just to say, hi, my name is so-and-so, so-and-so, within those two minutes, I was selling half the room. So if I was in a room with 50 women, I would sell 25 books with me just having the microphone for two minutes. And so me pushing to get in front of people so that they can hear my voice and feel my personality was what was what really helped um, with my book sales. Mm-hmm. And so wanting to get the word out, really just the motivational word to say, you can do this. I promise you can do whatever you want to do is, is is very important to me. And so now... Uh, I'm doing that June 22nd. I got honored, you know, last week. And I'm just focusing on getting ready to do this certification. And my books are on Barnes & Noble website and on Amazon. OK. And I will link to everything
0: that we've talked about. Do you want me to include a
1: link to your photographer? Yeah, yeah, and I have I have information for the photographer, the editor, and the designer because I want people to know, right. like, if you really want to do this, there are people out there that will help you. Yeah, and and, I, and it's not expensive.
0: Yes, and I want to make sure that um, you say you have a course for forty nine dollars mm-hmm. on how to self publish. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll be sure to link that too. Yeah. So
1: oh, I guess so. And and I'm and I did that specifically because I did all of this by myself, and I want people to know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Because I remember meeting a woman who and I don't know how she got caught up in doing it, but she got a publisher and they made her sign a five year contract and she's not making any money. Mm -hmm. And who wants to do that? Who wants to get caught up in that only because you didn't know? Right. Mm -mm. Yeah.
0: Well, anything you want to leave us with?
1: (sighs) Just want to say thank you for having me. This is one of the things that I want to focus on this year is doing more interviews at home that I know will reach more people. Uh, Just for them to know that everything that I talked about, everything that I did is something that I wholeheartedly grew and learned from. My experience with traveling and touring and creating all those different things for my business. Some worked, some didn't work, but you will never know unless you do it. I would have never known that uh, accountability coaching really just isn't for me. Oh, doing the classes really isn't for me. But you don't know until you go out there and try it. And well, it didn't work out for me. And now I know. Mm -hmm. So I have no regrets. That's the biggest thing. I have no regrets. No Mm -hmm. regrets in life.
0: Mm -hmm. Regrets. (laughs) I really appreciate your openness and your transparency about things. Um, We're all in this together. And I think that sharing our struggles, hearing your story helps me. It certainly helps other people. And especially, I'm sure, African-American women who maybe... (laughs) aren't allowed by the culture to really talk about mm-hmm. things openly. And I think that's how we heal is by, you know, not covering up our wounds, but by letting the oxygen hit it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I appreciate w- what you're doing and it's been, it's been fun to watch you and I'm glad that you're taking care of yourself. And I'm going to say no. say no, no, say no, no more say no. except for, 100 things a week but no more after
1: that no more after that no more after that okay <laughs> sounds like a plan That's a start that's right it got to start somewhere that's all right
0: well I love you thank you I love you so much Thanks. thank you for having me you're welcome
1: all right